mindfulness mode. Find what works for you and go full tilt forward towards it. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with a holistic wellness coach. She's also a yoga teacher. She's a crystal healer. So we're going to talk all about crystals today. We'll talk about meditation. We'll talk about a few other things too. But I'm here today with Lauren Blackford. Lauren, are you in mindfulness mode? I am, Bruce. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) That's awesome. So Lauren, what does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness to me means starting with um, self-awareness. Awareness of our thoughts, awareness of our emotions, awareness of our bodies, and then how we uh, project that externally, how we interact with people, how we ingest news, good or bad, and just bringing self-awareness to every aspect of our lives and making sure that our interactions with each other and ourselves are positive and thoughtful and purposeful. Well, speaking of positive, you have this positive, bubbly energy that just radiates right from you. It radiates right through my screen here today, even though we're not in the same room in person. Do you get that from crystals? At times I do. Crystals are one tool that I use to increase my positive vibrations and balance any sort of mood I am feeling. Um, crystals are definitely an integral part of my healing practice in my everyday life. So, so yes, I do get some of my bubbly energy from them. Well, let's go back to when you first discovered crystals. When did you first know this was something that was a positive influence in your life? So I think my first experience with crystals um, in a true sense was my, my sister kind of just tossed me like a rose quartz and was like, here, hang on to this. You might like it. Um, but then after I got divorced, I had kind of lost myself a little bit in the process of my marriage. And after my divorce, I was really searching for healing and searching for my version of wellness. And so I started collecting more and more crystals. I mean, it's you know, as we're kids, we're usually collecting cool looking rocks, right? So I just right. became an adult that was collecting cool looking rocks. And then they just happened to make me feel really good. And so then I got interested in, in what that looked like and the different properties of the crystals and, you know, what became a, a little hobby then became uh, more of a, uh, an obsession. And then I decided to actually get some education. And so that I became a certified crystal healer. And now I have a house full of crystals and I can't stop talking about them. So <laughs> what started is just one little stone. So you're a certified crystal healer. That's cool. A certified crystal healer. Yes. I actually took a course and, and became certified. So I, I am a legitimate crystal healer. <laughs> Okay, so if you are working with a client who has something that they need to heal, maybe they've got some pain or they've got some anxiety or whatever it is, do they need to have crystals around them as well? Tell us how this works. So the way that I use crystals is very intuitively based and very um, spatially based. Like you said, they, they do they should be near you in order to have an effect. And so when I'm working with somebody, I like to do it in person. I like to place crystals on the body or around the body. Um, And in terms of what I choose to work with, it depends on what their 
their ailment is. Like you said, if they have pain or anxiety. And what I like to do is my intuition is based on the chakra system. I'm sure uh, you're familiar with that, but they're spinning wheels yes. of energy from, from the root of the body, the root of the spine to the crown of the head. And usually if somebody is experiencing an issue, I can relate it back to the chakra that's out of balance. And then I can choose the stones that work with that chakra to, to place them on the body where they need it. So it's a very intuitively selected thing. And that's what I use for myself. That's what I use when I'm, you know, even, even color therapy is very chakra based as well. So when I'm feeling like I need some grounding, I'll wear red, whether that's a crystal, whether that's a shirt, <laughs> whether that's a piece mm -hmm. of jewelry. Yeah, I find colors can really change your mood, can change how you feel for sure. Mm -hmm. And so I'm assuming there are many, many, many different kinds of crystals. Yes. Can you tell us about that and how, how the, what some of the differences are between some of the kinds of crystals? Yeah, so so there, there are so many. And even though I have a, a degree in crystal healing, I can't keep them all in my head. But the most popular ones are the quartz-based crystals. And those are very crystalline. So that your clear quartz, your rose quartz, your uh, amethyst, uh, those are all quartz-based crystals and your citrine and your praseolite. Those are very hard crystals. So there, there are some that are very soft and like can't get wet because they'll disintegrate, but the quartz crystals are the hardiest. Um, and those are the most popular. Those are the ones when you think of a crystal, you're usually thinking of a clear quartz or an amethyst or rose quartz. Those are the most popular ones. And then there's, there's lots of different other families of crystals. Calcite is one that has a lot of different versions. There's blue calcite, green calcite, pineapple, orange, all kinds of different ones. And those are a lot softer. Any of the crystals that end in ITE are usually a lot softer, can't be put in water, things like that. So just like with any gemstones, there's a scale of hardness of crystals and, and how you can use them with water or not. Um, and, and each crystal has its own vibrational pattern and that's what gives it its healing properties. Um, I could I could talk about the vibrations and and how that works if if you'd like me to get into that. Yeah, I'd really love you to. I because I'm quite interested in this. I don't know a lot about crystals, but I I love to run. So I run for an hour most mornings, and we live out in the country, so that means I'm running down a gravel road, mm -hmm. and it's just like beautiful sunrises and the the trees and just experiencing all of this nature is amazing. But every once in a while. I just feel like I'm drawn to look down and there glimmering among all the regular old gravel is a little stone, you know, that is probably has crystal in it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, there was a reason why I've been running for 15 minutes and suddenly that is just grabbing my attention mm -hmm. and I pick it up and I put it in my pocket and I'm drawn to it for whatever reason. So does that make sense to you? Absolutely. See, you're a grown up collecting pretty rocks too. <laughs> I am. I collect rocks. <laughs> so um, the way I like to explain how crystals work and their vibrational properties is, and I know that you heard this before. Um, so if we go back to middle school science, where we learn the anatomy of an atom, you have the protons and the neutrons in the nucleus and they vibrate. 
This is what we learned, that they are vibrating. And then the electrons are spinning around the outside of the nucleus. So on an atomic level, everything has a vibration. You know, a lot of people like to discredit talking about vibrations as some woo-woo thing, but it's actually middle school science. Everything vibrates. Then there's the concept of sympathetic resonance. And this is used a lot in sound therapy, but resonance is the vibrational frequency of an object. Sympathetic resonance is when another object nearby tries to uh, harmonize or match the frequency of that original object. So the example that's most used is a tuning fork. If you strike a tuning fork in a room, it will start to resonate. If there's another tuning fork within that same room, without being struck, that second tuning fork will start to resonate to match frequency to the original tuning fork that you struck. And this is a concept that we see in everyday life. Like when you are out on the run, on your run in the country, you're feeling good because you're surrounded by nature, positive frequencies. When we are locked in our offices and staring at a screen all day, we feel disconnected because we are resonating with the frequency of the EMF coming from the computer and the lack of nature around us. Same thing when we get near a very angry person, our body starts to get agitated because it's trying to harmonize with that person's frequency. Same thing when we get around a very calm person. There's a reason that when you hear guided meditations, the voices are very calm and very soothing because that's bringing your frequency down to a calm level. So we see the sympathetic resonance in all areas of our lives. And this is how crystal healing works. And the same thing with any other energetic work, it's just frequency harmonizing with frequency. So when you bring a crystal into your space, that crystal has a certain frequency, certain vibration and certain healing properties that align with that vibration. When you bring it close to you, your body says, ooh, I like that, I want that, I'm gonna try to harmonize with that vibration. And so that's why we bring crystals into our space. That's why you put pretty rocks in your pocket. We want those good vibrations near us to help us feel better. So that is how crystal healing actually works. And it is basically science. Well, that's a great explanation. And I remember when you explained that to me before, I was like really, uh, really amazed by how clear that is and how easy it is, is to understand. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I didn't tell you at the top of the show, but today is my birthday. And I'm really excited about not only it being my birthday, but I wanted to get Lauren's episode on for my birthday because she is such a special person and she's Justin Shank's wife and as you do know I went to Pennsylvania just in April and went to the Growth Now Movement live event and met Lauren in person there so it's so exciting to have her on the show and and hey for my birthday I've got a special surprise for you stay tuned right to the end and you'll find out what it is so with that just like continue on enjoying the episode and listen right to the very end. So if I had a bigger crystal, if I had a crystal that was like two feet wide and and I could just put my feet on it every day, would that have more power? Would that change my life even more into a positive, I don't know, positive things happening? So we always like to think that bigger is better, right? Yes. Size matters. (laughs) 
The beautiful thing about crystals is that it's not the size that matters. It's actually more the shape. Oh. So different shapes of crystals emit their frequencies, their vibrations in different ways. So a sphere is actually, it's actually my favorite shape of crystal because it emits full blast in 360 degrees because it is smooth and it has that trajectory. Raw, rough crystals have a more sporadic energetic burst because they have so many different facets to them. So you may have a two foot wide crystal, which is great and I like the crystals, but if you have a two inch wide crystal as well, it's gonna have the same impact, which I think is wonderful. That's why we love a tumbled crystal because you can fit it in your pocket and it's got the same power as a big tumble crystal. Um, so it, it's really more shape than size. So I understand you're either going to be getting or you already have a ring with a crystal. <laughs> I have it, yes. Tell us this story. <laughs> So this is the this is the secret on how to get your boyfriend to give you a crystal as an engagement ring. <laughs> so Justin and I got engaged. Well, we were talking about getting engaged, and we were talking about what stone we wanted because I I'm divorced. I previously had a diamond. Um, his sister is on her second marriage as well, and she got a non traditional stone. She used a sapphire, which is both of our birthstones for her engagement ring. And so we started talking about it and I thought, okay, how can I bring my crystals into this? Because all of my jewelry at this point is crystal based. Um, everything is a healing crystal. And so I did some research and, and listened to my crystal teachers and learned that Morganite is the stone of divine love. It actually vibrates with the frequency of divine love and promotes, you know, companionship and joy and love and all those things. And I thought to myself, that's it. That's got to be what my engagement ring is. And so I said to Justin, I would like a Morganite. And he, he said, okay, that's, you know, a lot less expensive than a diamond. So we're good. And, <laughs> you know, we, we, we looked at different settings and whatnot, and then, after he proposed to me, which was a beautiful moment that we had in, on the beach in Key Largo, you know, I, I started posting about my, my ring and he said, are you telling me I got you a crystal? <laughs> 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 he didn't realize that I had this, <laughs> this plan for the meaning of this ring, but but uh, no, he's very happy. We're, we're both very happy with the ring and, and getting married. And so that's that's how you get your boyfriend to give you a crystal. Isn't he? <laughs> that's a great story. It really is. Lauren, I'm interested in how yoga feeds you in your life. Do you do yoga every day? What does What's this like for you? I try to. Yoga is something I have been practicing for 22 years. So the story of how I got into yoga is I was a dancer growing up from the age of three through college. I danced ballet, tap, jazz, I did modern, I did Irish step. And I came out of college and I came back home to the suburbs of Philadelphia and I still wanted to move my body, but I, the studios in the area weren't really um, adaptable to an adult with my skill set. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, what else can I do with my body? And I found a community college class of Hatha yoga and I signed up for it and I took one class and was hooked. I said, this is it. This is the natural progression of 
my dancing. And so I practiced through the years and actually not only was I able to be more mindful because the poses and the breath work and the meditation and yoga are so very, you know, promotion of mindfulness, but I actually healed my body. I had had some old dance injuries that I had injured my knee in college. I slammed it on a hardwood floor during a very difficult dance move. Oh, wow. and, and being a 21 year old, I didn't actually go get it checked out. So it just healed up. And I was very, very arthritic in that knee. I couldn't keep it bent for long periods of time. And, you know, whenever a storm was coming, my knee told me. And after several years of practicing yoga, I realized that I no longer had pain in that knee, that the, you know, arthritis was gone. I could bend it for longer periods of time. And it's funny because there, there were times when I would not do as much yoga and the pain would start to come back. So I said, okay, I need to re-strengthen that knee. And, you know, my joints were very worn down from dance. And so yoga actually uh, strengthened them all. Um, so it became a, an integral part of my physical and mental and spiritual practice. I would always say that taking to the yoga mat was my church, you know, and um, that was my meditation and, and it continues to be. And so then just like with crystals, it went from an obsession to I'm going to go to school <laughs> and become <laughs> certified. So I became a yoga teacher and I like to practice daily if I can. I give myself a little bit of grace with, with you know, my kids and work and, sure. and everything else. But I've noticed that if I don't practice yoga for a period of time, then I will start to experience not just physical symptoms, but, you know, anxiety. And I, I have a relationship with anxiety and depression and yoga is one of my anti-anxiety medications, as I like to say. So it's helped me in innumerable ways. And I enjoy teaching others um, yoga. I think sharing that gift with people is, is something that is definitely my purpose and I enjoy it so much. That's awesome. I really like that. So tell me what your children have taught you about mindfulness. Oh, <laughs> so I became a solo parent when my children were three and one. Wow. Yes. Um, and I say solo parent in that I was 100% responsible for them. I did not have a co-parent. I did not have help. And so they didn't, they didn't go and stay at their dad's or anything like that at all. No, no, oh, wow. it was just me, um, working full time, taking care of them on my own. Um, so it, that's that in that period of time, I, what I learned from, from that experience was that how much I needed to take care of myself so that I could be present to take care of them because what they needed was a mom that was functional mm -hmm. and, and could do all the things, be that super mom that they needed me to be. And if I didn't do yoga, meditate, eat well, get sleep, all the things that, you know, one needs to do to take care of themselves, then I couldn't be the mom they needed. And then as they get older, their, um, their outlook on life and their curiosity and how they process information and how they come to conclusions, it really humbles me because I realize the times when I'm maybe not being as mindful and not thinking from a child's perspective. And what a beautiful perspective from a child. You know, they look at things so innocently and so 
creatively. And it, when they come up with these grand, you know, schemes and hypotheses, it really makes me pause and think and remember that, you know, maybe I'm too caught up in the, the rigmarole of everyday life and I need to take a moment and think from their perspective. If you could wave a magic wand, <laughs> can you describe the life you would love to create for your children? Oh, so that's an interesting thing, Bruce, because I believe that, you know, the, the perfect life for them is of their creation. You know, I've spent a lot of time over the last few years rebuilding my life and, and building my perfect, beautiful life. And what I have done is show them that so that they can see that it is possible to go after their dreams and build their perfect life. I would love to wave a magic wand and make life perfect for them, but I don't know what that looks like. That's up to them. So that magic wand would empower them. Yes. That's a, that's a great answer. Yes. And, and that's what I aim to do in my everyday life. That's why even through solo parenting, I, I, I did, you know, I went to nutrition school and did yoga teacher training and did all these things. And, you know, they have to, they understand that when mommy can't have dinner with them or when mommy has to go do something that she's doing something that creates the life of her dreams. And so it's showing them the way. And how have you helped them to find their passions in life? I always love to encourage their interests and, and let them run. You know, I showed them my interests. They used to do yoga with me when they were little and they started, you know, stealing my crystals <laughs> out of my room. And, you know, they, my interest became their interest for a certain amount of time. But then, you know, I, I took off the wheels and said, what are you interested in? You know, when I was growing up, my parents would, they signed me up for sports. I'm not an athlete. They made me do things, you know, that I wasn't interested in. And so then it took me a lot longer to find what my passion was. And, and I don't want to do that with them. And so I encourage them to, what do you like? What are you interested in? Okay. How can we foster that into an activity or into a group or into, you know, something that we can learn from? So it's really just letting them tell me what they're interested in. Well, I'm I'm very interested in uh, your website, laurenblackford.com. So Mindful Tribe, check that out. L-A-U-R-E-N, blackford.com. And uh, have a look at the website. But I know that you're also on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And it's simply Lauren underscore Blackford. We'll find you there. So I'd love if you could share with us a story of success that you've met with, with a client, somebody that has come to you and been drawn to you. And then you've worked with them and maybe using crystals. I don't know. But that you have taken them to a different place in their life. So I, I have a client who's a good friend. Um, she came to me for crystal healing and um, I gave her a full workup with the crystals. I did sound healing, um, which is something else that I do and did a little bit of energy work on her. And, you know, through that, she said afterwards, she felt very well balanced, um, but it sparked an interest in, in crystals within her. And so now she and I talk about, you know, 
what she needs, what her daughter is looking at. Her daughter is now getting interested in crystals. And, you know, she's somebody that she's going through a very rough period of time and she is using her crystals to help her through it. And it's interesting because she has been using this malachite crystal just because she likes it. I'm not drawn to malachite, but she is. And it's a stone of feminine healing, but also transformation and change. And her crystal fell and broke. And she called me and said, what do I do? I am devastated. And I said, well, usually when that happens, it means that crystal has done its job for you and it needs to get put back into the earth. This is sometimes we're, we're bumbling humans, but usually if a crystal falls and breaks, it has protected you from something. It has done something to help you. It is done with its job and it wants to get put back into the earth. So if you break a crystal, bury it in the earth, it's done. Um, and after that happened, she got all of these positive things happening in her life in rapid succession that same day that this crystal broke. And she's so very devastated about this crystal. And I said, you know what? I have a malachite egg in my collection that I no longer, I don't work with it. I got it in a grab bag that I bought. I don't work with it. You can have it and it can replace your smaller malachite piece that did its job. And now she can have this egg and have a larger transformation and change for positive in her life. Wow, that's a great story. Wow, she must have been thrilled yes. when you gifted her that egg. Yes. <laughs> wow. Uh, Lauren, do you have a story about bullying in your life where mindfulness would have made a difference? Um, yes. So uh, bullying, I don't know if I'll use that term, but I had a difficult relationship with my mother. She um, had narcissistic tendencies. She mm -hmm. has since passed away, but... I didn't really understand that or know that growing up. And when I was a young adult, I was very much aware from my upbringing that my self-worth rested in someone else's opinion of me, um, mm. particularly hers, but anyone else's but mine would do. <laughs> and I didn't know that that was not um, accurate. And so mm -hmm. I made a lot of choices based on people pleasing and making sure that everybody else was happy and finding my worth in other people. And then what I found was my now ex-husband who also has narcissistic tendencies. And it wasn't until after divorcing him and finding my worth, finding self-love, which has been the key to the turnaround in my life that I realized that those relationships were not healthy, that I, my self-worth resides in my mere existence, that I do not need to please other people, and that finding my own happiness is what attracts the joy and the beauty that I have in my life. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story. Certain aspects of that really resonate with me. So I, I'm so grateful that you shared that with us today, Lauren. Mm -hmm. As we move on in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Oh, um, my yoga teachers. Okay. 
My second question is all about emotions. Tell us how mindfulness has helped you deal with your emotions differently. I think going back to my original definition of mindfulness, the self-awareness, a lot of times when I can just say, oh, I'm angry. What am I angry about? All right, let me, let me sit with this for a minute. It's, it's easier to process emotions when you can be fully aware of what they are, where they're coming from, and you know, knowing that sometimes it's not about what it's about and finding mm-hmm. the actual original source of those emotions. Wow. Okay. Uh, my next question is about um, a book that you might be able to recommend that is about mindfulness and has maybe had an influence on you in your life. Oh, so my favorite book, and and a lot of people will have probably mentioned this is the alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Um, Mm -hmm. I think finding purpose is a huge part of mindfulness and and seeking out that purpose and going after um, what's in your heart. So I would recommend that. Let's talk about breathing. And I know because you're so interested in yoga, this is probably something that you'll have a comment on. How does breathing, uh, how has breathing changed in your life and what you think about it in relation to mindfulness? Oh, I think breathing is such an important aspect of it. I mean, for me, it's the best way to go from the you know sympathetic nervous response to the parasympathetic nervous response going from flight or fight or flight to rest and digest um and and bringing yourself internally you know when you're meditating when you're doing yoga or just sitting at your desk focusing on your breath gets rid of all the noise and brings Mm. you back to yourself yeah for sure so tell me about apps are there any apps of any description that help you with your mindfulness practice Ooh, i haven't been using too many apps lately i I was on some of the meditation apps and they're wonderful um i like i'm a bit of a moon follower so i like moonly and moon x because there's some meditations in there and affirmations and also following the phases of the moon yeah so do you feel like Things are different for you when the moon is full and when the moon is in various phases. Tell us about that. Now, this is no longer the 30 seconds. I finished <laughs> with those, but you can chat about that if you wish. Oh, I can chat about the moon all day. So for me, again, it goes back to science. You know, the moon affects the tides and especially the tides are higher and lower during the full moon and the new moon. Um, and our bodies are, you know, but over 60% water. So mm-hmm. the moon does affect us. And that's why when it's a full moon, you feel a lot of a pull, your body is going through, you know, tide shifts. And when it's a new moon, you feel a little bit calmer. Although my children are a little bit crazy at the new and the full moon. Um, but, but I do feel a difference and I'm very mindful of it. And I do practice moon rituals. So the new moon is all about new beginnings and the full moon is about releasing what no longer serves you. Um, so last night was a full moon and I put out all my crystals to be charged by it. And it, it was a very powerful moon for, for manifesting new things and future success. And so I put a lot of intention into my evening. Um, there are some times where the full moon, I'm like, eh, it doesn't really affect me, but, but when I'm really in tune and paying attention, I, I notice that it, there is a big difference in the different phases throughout the month and I, I love to follow them. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by the moon as well. And, and I know that we get a lot of signs from the universe, a lot of signals, some of them 
for me at least, are in numbers. Do you find that you receive signs from the universe in numbers? Sometimes I do. Um, it's more symbols for me than numbers. Um, there was a time where a lot of angel numbers would pop up, but recently it's more been like animal signs and other kinds of symbols from the universe. Fascinating. Lauren, if somebody was listening today and they were really uh, drawn by your vibrancy and your wisdom and your knowledge, well, I'm just wondering if you would have a final word of advice to them if they wanted to capture some of this, I don't know, positive vibration that you're emanating. Yes. Um, so it wasn't always this way for me. It took, as I had mentioned, finding self-love, which is something that is so imperative, understanding your worth finding the tools that make you feel good. So for me, it's yoga and it's crystals and it's sound healing and it's meditation, but that might not be your jam and that's okay. You have to follow your own unique path, find what works for you and go full tilt forward towards it. And, and don't be afraid to build the life of your dreams because that's, we're just here this one existence, you know, in this one lifetime. And why not build the life of your dreams? Don't get stuck. Don't worry about what other people think. Find what works for you because people pleasing doesn't get you the life of your dreams. It just doesn't. Good advice. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Lauren. Thank you for having me, Bruce. It's been a blast. My pleasure. Mindful Tribe, check out laurenblackford.com. And with that, we'll say goodbye and see you next time, Mindful Tribe. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe, as you know, I'm celebrating my birthday today and I have a birthday present just for you, a Mindfulness Mode mug. As a Mindfulness Mode listener, I just want to pass on to you how much I appreciate you and how much I just, I'm so grateful for your support. The podcast means a lot to me and it's listeners just like you, Mindful Tribe, that have made it so successful who have made it one of the most successful mindfulness podcasts out there with over 3.3 million downloads. So to get your free Mindfulness Mode mug, just email me, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com with MM birthday mug in the subject line. Include your address so I can send you your free mug. So Mindful Tribe, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.